Uh, hey, I'm Phil. Uh, I'm your host of the podcast PH5 that you're currently tuned into. So, funny story, okay? Let's just get right into it. I've already recorded this podcast. I, uh, after work yesterday, um, few co-workers had it in mind that they would like to grab a drink or two. It's been a long week, so I obliged, and, uh, my plan was, oh, you know, I can have a few bubbly pops, go home, and, uh, with this sense of vigor brought on by the alcohol, I'll record the podcast. And so I did. Um, now, here's the issue. I gave it a listen this morning, and it's really, really bad. Uh, I should not pod while drunk. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just sounded like crap, and I was just saying really dumb shit. Just rambling, which I do anyway, but, like, like bad rambling, you know? And I was just, like, slurring my words. It was a whole-ass mess. So I'm, uh, I'm doing the entire thing over again. But I'll tell you what, for all those uh, diehards out there who are just really, really itching to hear what an hour of me drunkenly rambling about music sounds like, tell you what, I'm going to tack on that episode, that recording that I made last night, onto the end of this one. So all the sickos out there that are just bored, I mean, I can't think of any other reason why you would want to do this, uh, you can listen to the entire other version of this episode, if you'd like. Um, I wouldn't recommend it, though, because it's pretty bad, as I mentioned. But sometimes people like bad things, you know? Um, I do sometimes. Like, uh... I mean, nothing's coming to mind right now, due to my truly immaculate taste. But uh, I, I've been known to uh, indulge in the occasional bad thing. Um, so yeah, that's my lead for the week. Uh, yeah, I, I'm doing it again. I'm just going to do the whole thing again. If you want to hear what the original sounds like, you're welcome to. Stick around after after the credits, if you will, and uh, you can get a sense of what that's all about. But uh, it, it's not very good, so don't. Um, what I did on the earlier episode, not the earlier, the previous, this one, how do I even, like, what, what, do, I, what do I say to describe what it is? It's the same episode, but just drunk, and, and this is the same episode, but sober. Uh, it's, it's kind of a really stunning insight into the duality of man, if you will. You know, drunk and hungover. In uh, the intro to the drunk version of this episode, I spent about 10 minutes uh, talking about Mimi Parker from Lowe, who passed away at the very beginning of this month. And uh, I got kind of emotional while talking about that, so I don't want to really go into it again too much, because uh, <laughs> it's, it's hard to talk about, but um, 
if you really, really want to uh, hear my thoughts on that, go for it. You know where to find it. At like the 70 minute mark. That's me being optimistic about my brevity for this episode. R.I.P. Mimi Parker. Uh, one of the saddest losses. I mean, again, like I mentioned, uh, take off not not too shortly before that passed away and then Mimi and it's just there's it's a lot it's too much um damn you death why do you have to be like that right um anyway another thing that I just want to quickly mention uh I am I am anything if not self-aware uh did I use that expression right Anyway, I know the last few episodes, the sound quality has been kind of shitty. Um, long story short, I I broke my pop filter and was using my kind of DIY pantyhose on a badminton racket. Which, uh, as funny as the image in, comes to mind for that particular contraption, and it's, it's much funnier looking in person, trust me. Uh... It doesn't really work, and I have to position the mic weirdly, and anyway, I know that they've sounded like crap, which is another reason why I kind of wanted to re-record this episode, was because you guys deserve something that sounds good for once, you know, if you stuck with me through uh, the garbage sound quality of the past few, you deserve a little treat, so I got a brand new pop filter, I've, uh, got a fantastic mic positioning system set up. I'm feeling really great about this. And uh, I, I, I did like a cursory two second listen of uh, how I'm sounding and it sounded good then. Hopefully at the end of my recording, I don't look back and uh, realize that I fucked something up and it sounds like shit again anyway. Because I mean, as fun as this experiment in recording the exact same episode twice is gonna be, I don't think it's going to be as fun doing it a third time. <laughs> so, anyway, that's all. Just wanted to do a quick little apology for the poor sound quality. And uh, it won't happen again, okay? I promise. So, why don't we get into it? This is the last quote-unquote official, you know meat and potatoes ph5 episode of 2022 because as we move into next month uh it's december for those of you who are unfamiliar with the calendar and december is the end of the month there are albums that come out in december and i will do my best to talk about some of those in the next episode but i really want to get started on some end of year stuff because that's why we listen to music right so that we can catalog it and uh, make lists out of it. Uh, that's why I listen to music. Nothing to do with enjoyment. Just for list purposes. So I'm really excited to get into doing that. I think I'll, I'll use my standard format. Standard, I've done it one time before. Of uh, starting off with my top 25 to 11 albums of the year. And then I'll do a whole episode especially devoted to the top 10. And I'll sprinkle in some of my favorite songs of the year in there as well. It's going to be fun. Um, yeah. 
So why don't we talk about November? And then, uh, and then the episode will be over, and then you can listen to the whole thing all over again, except with me being a drunken jackass. Sound good? Okay. Fantastic. Thank you, as always, for tuning in and for listening. This is Phil May, PH5, for November 2022. So, coming in at number five for November 2022, we have the record Endure by the band Special Interest. So, Special Interest is from, I think they're from Baltimore. I just, randomly in my head, I'm like, they're from Baltimore. They might not be, so my bad if that's not the case. And it's a collection of, um young queer artists who kind of came to prominence back in 2020 uh, with the release of their debut album. Um, forget what it's called, but you can find it online for sure. And that was a kind of noisy collection of uh, dance punk songs. That's what I'll call them. Uh, it, it made a decent amount of waves back in 2022. I mean, sorry, 2020, rightfully so just because of the energy and uh, the politics behind the album. Really important at the time, and it also was out kind of around the same time that the George Floyd protests were happening. A lot of the members of the group are uh, people of color, so you got a lot of the intersectionality of uh, talking about race issues and um, issues with sexuality in society, all kind of brewed into a a nasty, noisy pot of dance punk goodness. So this new record that came out uh, this month is kind of a continuation of that, but as many artists do, it's kind of a, uh, a refinement of the sound and integrates a lot more, I don't want to say mainstream, but a lot more kind of accessible sounds into, uh, into the record. The last one could be pretty abrasive and uh, lean really heavily into noise as much as it did um, dance. Not as much noise going on in this one. I call this like a, like disco punk, almost. Uh, very dancey, very catchy songs. Again, lyrics are biting, uh, talking about, you know, all the issues that marginalized people in society are facing right now. Uh, with, you know, like a sly wink. It's a fun record, you know? It, it's, it tackles kind of heavy subject matter in a really fun way, which is not easy to do. So it's very commendable of them to be able to do so. And I don't know, it's just a really interesting mixture of sounds that go on this record. Uh, for example, the last song the album, again, can't remember what it's called, but uh, that's information easily accessible online for you folks really reminds me of almost a mix of Blood Brothers and Jesse Ware. And uh, you can you can tell I've been like sitting on that that comparison since I heard it. Just like so excited to uh, say it. Just because how ridiculous it sounds. But give it a listen and I think you might actually see that I'm kind of onto something with that. Um, yeah, fun record. Great record for putting on at a party or putting on on your lonesome. Um, you know, you can kind of dance and have fun to it. Listening to the lyrics 
or not listening to the lyrics, whatever you like. Either way, uh, this is a band that has really kind of uh, honed their sound, and um, they just keep getting bigger and bigger, and rightfully so. This is one of those bands that, uh, as soon as they come to Canada, come to Toronto, it is a show that will be an absolute must-see. Just lots of fun, but also important. Again, hard kind of balance to strike, but they do so very, very tastefully. So coming in at number five for November 2022, we have Special Interest Endure. Coming in at number four for November 2022, we have Fleshwater with We're Not Here to Be Loved. Fleshwater is a fun name, eh? Really evocative imagery with that one. So is it like flesh-flavored water? Or is it like like, like some kind of being whose uh, flesh is, is made of water? Kind of like a like a jellyfish, you know? I think I think, I think jellyfish would uh, subscribe to the flesh water category. That's just a thought. Maybe that's water flesh? Anyway, um, so flesh water, this record is their debut, but a, a large part of the band is members of one of my... It seems weird to say all-time favorite, because I've really only known they've existed for like six years or so, but I'm saying it anyway. One of my all-time favorite hardcore bands, uh, Vane, or Vane FM, although no one calls them that. Uh, Vane actually just released an album earlier this year, which I talked about uh, whenever month that came out. A lot of albums, okay? I, I can't keep track of who and when and all that. Although I guess it would would really be as simple as uh, just scrolling back to my previous episodes to find out. But I'm not doing that, okay? I mean, you're lucky enough that I'm re-recording this episode. So you can't be asking too much more of me at this point. Also, as mentioned, I am slightly hungover, so live with it. So it has, I think two or three members of Vane in this band, along with uh, this fantastic female vocalist kind of handling the majority of the vocal duties. But the vocalist from Vane is also one of the members, they play guitar and they also provide some awesome screamy background vocals. And you end up with a record that sounds a lot like the 90s. And you take a look at the album cover, you got this kind of like crayon writing of their name and it's like this moody picture of a rubber duck it's it sounds ridiculous but um it is very evocative of kind of a lot of the imagery that a lot of these underground bands from the 90s were using and the music sounds a lot like that as well and this kind of 90s underground you know alt hardcore sound is is pretty popular nowadays um You know, you see a lot of kind of the emo revival bands, um, not to mention actual bands from that era uh, reuniting and releasing new music, like, you know, City of Caterpillar, Gospel, lots of great bands um, who have come back. So there's something about that particular sound and era that's really in vogue right now. And these guys do a really good job of uh, 
cre- recreating that sound while bringing a lot of modern touches and flourishes. Um, the production is very modern. It doesn't sound dated at all, but the songwriting and the, uh, you know, what's actually going on in the music itself does sound a lot like those kind of 90s underground bands. It's a record that has a lot of promise. I don't necessarily think that they've fully executed to the best of their abilities what they can do with uh, this kind of sound. Um, I think the songs need to be developed a little bit more. There need to be more hooks. Uh, There just needs to be more, um, for lack of a better word, interesting things going on in the music itself. But their foundation is really, really strong. It's a great listen, great record. And I just love Vane so much that I'm I'm automatically going to fanboy for anything even remotely related to them. And luckily for me, it, it doesn't disappoint either. So, great. Anyway... Coming in at number four for November 2022, we have Fleshwater, We're Not Here to Be Loved. Well, too bad because I love ya. Okay, so coming in at number three, for November 2022, we have Dream Unending, Song of Salvation. And I just want to mention something about uh, the kind of top three records from this month. I really, uh, I, I struggled trying to determine an order for these three because at any given time during the month, uh, one of these was my favorite that I'd heard. Um, so I almost want to say that three, two, and one is a a three-way tie for number one for the month, because I I do love them all equally, but that's no fun, and that's kind of a cop-out, and goes against the entire idea of what we're doing here in this podcast. So, you know what, I, I really struggled, but I did land on an order for these three, and this one's coming in at number three, I, again, I don't want to say it's any it's because it's worse than the other ones it's not but if i really 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 had to put these in order this is the order that they're going to be in so song of salvation is the sophomore record by dream unending which is a band comprised of the principal songwriter from toronto's very own tomb mold tomb 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 not too mold, not like, like, too mold is kind of a cool, like, sounds like a Swedish rapper name. Uh, I'm too mold, I'm cold. <laughs> that would probably be one of his songs. It gets cold up there in Sweden. Uh, but tomb, like, um, you know, where you die, or, well, I guess, no, you, you don't, you, you don't usually die at a tomb. You're already dead at the tomb. Um, weird eh like this this collection of places that uh you don't actually visit until you're dead uh tomb tomb mold uh great band 
really great band. Um, they kind of mix old school death metal with kind of almost like spacey elements. Uh, great, great band. Anyway, but they're they're definitely a death metal band, which of course always has its barriers because uh, people are wimps and they can't handle it, which is fine. I'm not judging. So this Dream Unending record is a collaboration between the principal two mold guy and um, this other guy. <laughs> I don't know who he is. Uh, listen, you don't come to this for the, the, the cutting edge research, okay? You come to this for the cutting edge commentary and uh, criticism. So while certainly maintaining a lot of death metal's tropes and traits, this is actually one of the most unique metal records that I have ever heard. And I'd like to kind of stand by the fact that I think this is maybe the most beautiful metal record that I've ever heard. And it's weird because that's not usually a term that you associate with metal. Uh, kind of like the whole idea of metal is to be ugly and to be gross. But, um, this is anything but that. It's gorgeous. And I've been thinking a lot about, like, my list this year. Well, not my list. Well, I've been thinking about that too. But going through a lot of the records that I've talked about this year, and PH5 ostensibly started as a podcast about heavy music with other stuff sprinkled in. That being said, there really hasn't been that much heavy music on the pod this year. Um... Especially metal. This might be one of the very few metal records on the pod. Uh, which is strange, because I would definitely classify it as probably, you know, pound for pound my favorite genre. But just, it, it takes a lot these days to really move me um, listening to a metal record, because it, it's, it's I've just heard so much of it. It's so easy to for everything to kind of blend together and sound similar and for something to stand out the way that this uh, Dream Unending album does is really special. So again, it, it's, 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 it has death metal elements. For example, the, you know, the, the growling vocals are, are still there. You'd recognize those from Tomb Mold. But uh, other than that, it's, it's really not that heavy and it, it's really made me kind of call into question as a lot of releases have and i've had this discussion a few times on this podcast like what is heavy music what does it mean to be heavy so you listen to this you hear the guy doing his like vocals and you're like okay yeah this is heavy music but then you listen to the accompanying music in the background and it's really quite light and, and dreamy and airy and and again just beautiful so the juxtaposition there is obviously really cool really interesting but it's a lot more than a gimmick um the songwriting is there too uh the riffs are fantastic the songs follow interesting yet logical progressions as they go uh there's a wide variety of songs here too so the song is kind of bookended by sorry the album is kind of bookended by two longer tracks and in between those two, you get a, 
kind of like a medium length track, kind of like an interlude, and then another more medium length instrumental track. So the band is always kind of keeping you guessing about what it's going to throw at you on this record. But no matter what you end up getting, no matter what they throw at you, it's beautiful, it's gorgeous every single time, even at its heaviest moments. So this is one of those records that I suggest to people that don't typically listen to metal because this is more than just metal, you know? This is, uh, it's just beautiful stuff. And anyone who can appreciate beauty should be able to find something in this album that they can enjoy and take away. So coming in at number three for November 2022, we have Dream Unending with Song of Salvation. Okay, um, you want to do some mentions? Let's do some mentions. Uh, these are the mentions. These are the mentions. Okay, so as always, we start by talking shit, talking some trash. So the dishonorable mention for November 2022 is the new Way is Blood album. And in the darkness, our hearts aglow, or, or some shit like that. Um, I feel bad. I just want to preface this by saying I feel bad that the the one dishonorable mention that I'm talking about is also the one album released by a woman that I'm talking about this month. I feel shitty about it. Uh, I swear I'm not a misogynist. You know, I, I just don't like this album. I just think it sucks. And uh, it has nothing to do with her being a woman. I wish that it had been better so that I wouldn't be put in this awkward position. But, um, so thanks a lot for that, Ways Blood. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just sucks. So why, why am I, why am I picking on this record? Why am I calling this out as my dishonorable mention? Well, the thing is, she didn't always suck like, like this. Her last album, uh, Titanic Rising, was, while certainly not my type of music, um, kind of like orchestral pop, it it was still a great record. I still enjoyed listening to it. It still had some solid songs, and uh, it's something I could put on and, and you know just kind of enjoy in the background. I I can't even really say the same for this. So this album basically just sounds like. Titanic Rising, but with all of the, like, good stuff stripped away. Uh, it, it, I just don't really know what's going on in this record. Like, there, there are no real hooks. There, there's nothing really interesting happening at any given time. It's just kind of boring. You know, I, I, and I, I really hate to say it, but it, it, it's just kind of boring. And maybe it's just not for me. But again, the last of her records wasn't for me either, and I still managed to take something away from it, but here there's nothing. And it's especially shocking too, because uh, OPN, One Tricks Point Never, actually had a hand in um, some production on this album, and I'm a big fan of his, and usually anything that he touches, he manages to make, at the very least, interesting. And that just isn't happening here. Um, the whole thing just kind of washes over you and then it's over and then like 10 minutes after it ends you're gonna be like oh whoa like the record's over i didn't even realize because 
it just kind of fails to leave an impression on you. Um, I know she can do better than this. She has done better than this. And I'm positive that she will do better than this in the future. So, you know, it's okay. We're all allowed to make missteps every now and then. Just got to come back stronger than ever next time around. Coming in at the dishonorable mention for November 2022, we have Way is Blood and In the Darkness Hearts Aglow, or some like Victorian novel ass title like that. Okay, the mention for November 2022 is going to be the Drake and 21 Savage album, Her Loss. So, what do I have to say about this one? Um, as, as I'm sure you know, this is the second record that Drake has released this year. Um, the first one being Honestly Nevermind, which was a hard pivot away from the hip-hop that he's known for into uh, dance music, essentially. You know, a lot of um, Chicago house, a lot of kind of Afropop, um, you know, kind of slight detours into techno every now and then. And while it certainly wasn't a huge success in its experimentation, it was at least interesting to see this different side of Drake. Um, I remember at the time, thinking and saying it just kind of sounds like Drake asked all of his favorite producers to make some dance beats and he just like recorded some vocals on his bus one day and slopped it all together and called it an album but even then you need to understand that Drake is like he's such a powerful person in the music industry that you know it still sounded great because he has that kind of clout and that sway in the music world that he's able to curate these really great dancey beats and it didn't really matter that he was uh, just extraordinarily phoned in vocally on the record because uh, the beats for the most part were pretty good now I I share that opinion not many others did uh, a lot of his fans really did not like it and uh, you know they wanted they wanted that old Drake which here we get it you know, I, I guess uh, he's a reactionary type of person because, you know, not a full year later, here he is again with another new album where he's reverting back to his usual style of music, um, rap. <clears throat> so it's here that we kind of see why, honestly, never mind maybe wasn't such a bad idea after all because it just kind of sounds like he's falling back in his old ways and making the same kind of music again that he's been making for like five six years straight now at least honestly never mind had some interesting moments had some you know eyebrow raising oh okay that's 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 a new unique way of doing things for Drake whereas this is just kind of more of the same and again you need to keep in mind Drake is what like 36 37 years old now and to hear him 
rapping like a fucking 21 year old college guy, just totally treating women like shit and just being an asshole. It's just grating at this point. I mean, yeah, when he was in his 20s, for sure, you're in your 20s, you're an idiot, everyone's an idiot in your 20s. Um, you know, the kind of, <laughs> the chauvinism was at least entertaining, I guess is kind of a brutal way of putting it. But now it's just kind of like, man, grow the fuck up. Like, you have a kid, you know, why don't you settle down and like start a family or, or like, stop pulling the same crap you've been pulling, you know, for 15 years now. And I know it, it's kind of contradictory or whatever for me to say that because you have artists like Future who are still releasing the same toxic music as they have, and he's like in his 40s now. But Future kind of owns that, you know? Like, that's why people listen to Future. And then he's kind of got that whole niche. Like he's made toxicity into an art form. Which, again, kind of a brutal thing to say, but that's just what it is. Drake is like, man, we, we, we heard you try something different earlier this year. Why don't you keep trying at that? Sure, it wasn't amazing, but, you know, it was commendable that you at least tried something new. Why don't you try to further develop that or explore something else new? Instead of just going back in the same bullshit that you've been doing since 2015. I don't know. Just the thought. Clearly, I'm kind of alone in that thought. You know, a lot of people have been talking about how much they love this album. It's a return to form for Drake. Some people even calling it like, oh, this is my album of the year. Like, okay, sure, whatever. But Drake, if you're out there listening, you got a fellow Toronto man here. Just, uh, just cut the crap, man, you know? Do something different, please. Because... This has been old, you know? This has been old. So, coming into the mention for November 2022 is Drake and 21 Savage, again, who's barely even on the record anyway, with Her Loss. And, coming into the honorable mention... For November 2022 is the EP Promenade or is it Promenade? It depends on how much of a stuck-up asshole you are, I guess. By Golden Drag. So, Golden Drag is the project of my friend Shazad Jawani. Um, I've been friends with Shazad for a long time. Uh, about 20 years now. It's kind of fucked up to think about. Um, and we just kind of like met online in some music forum, had similar tastes, kind of developed a friendship that way, and he was very uh, kind of influential on me. You know, a lot of the music that he listened to and reviewed on this album, uh, sorry, on this, this website, uh, was stuff that I liked, and so because of that, I would check out a lot of the other music that he was talking about or reviewing and whatnot, and, um, yeah, like, a good, a good chunk of my music taste, I'd say, is, uh, he's responsible for it. He, uh, kind of low-key introduced me to a lot of things that, um, 
were really important to me, are really important to me to this day. So yeah, we've kind of we've kind of had a a solid friendship since. Uh, I remember one time actually, I was uh, I was like 15, and uh, the Locust were in town. Uh, if you remember the Locust, uh, you know how sick the Locust are. So I had to see them. But uh, I was 15, and I lived in Brampton at the time. And my mom, there's no way she was gonna let me go downtown by myself to see the show. So Shazad was actually interviewing some of the guys in the Locust. So he was going to the show, and I was like, you know what, fuck this, I'm going, I wanna go. So I lied to my mom, told her I was going to my friend Jordan's house, and uh, bought a Go Bus ticket, and went downtown. At 15, met up with Shazad, and went to the show. Uh, Jordan, that prick, uh, called my house that night to uh, talk to me on the phone for some reason, completely blowing my cover. And anyway, my mom ended up calling me when I was like basically all the way downtown, screaming at me, super pissed off that, you know, I kind of went downtown and lied to her and all this kind of stuff. And was like, you got to come home right now, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and one of my true earliest acts of defiance I said no I, I'm going to this show and it is what it is yeah worth it great show uh, great band The Locust anyway so Shazad had a band for a long time called Grays uh, huge fan of those of those guys um, their last record H Hasn't Spoiled You I still really believe is uh, one of the best records that I've heard come out of Toronto, period. Uh, they really, really kind of hit their stride with that record. Um, and, you know, it's a shame we likely won't be getting any more Gray's music, but it's okay because he's still making tunes under this new alias, Golden Drag. This is the second EP by um, Golden Drag. And it's a, it's a very interesting style of music. He kind of describes it on his band camp as psychedelic dystopia or dystopian psychedelic, which I think is uh, honestly pretty on point for what you're listening to. Uh, he uses a kind of really wide range of sounds and instruments uh, in these songs, but never in a way that kind of feels shoehorned. Uh, everything that you're listening to in, in, in the time that you're listening to it in the songs it makes sense. Uh, it's all very tastefully done. The production sounds fantastic, and the songwriting is great. Um, it's one of those records where you're listening, and when it's over, you're, you're kind of upset because it's just an EP, so it's not very long, and you wish there was more. So it's a great record, great EP, highly recommended to anyone. Um, and I guess the reason why I'm including it um, among all those other reasons is because I really want him to uh, keep making music because he, he's been one of my favorite music makers for a long time now and uh, I just want him to keep going because uh, it's a delight every single time so here's hoping that the PH5 plug will inspire him to make a full-length record of Golden Drag tunes. <clears throat> you hear that, buddy? 
LP is next. So, coming in at the honorable mention for November 2022 is Golden Drag Promenade. These are the mentions. Alright, let's finish her off. This, you know what? If I'm being honest, this hasn't been that bad. Um, mostly because I don't even really remember what I talked about last night in regards to these records. So, it's kind of like I'm doing it completely fresh because, you know, I, I don't even know what I said the first time around anyway. So, what does it matter, right? Um, final two. The final two monthly... The, hmm, how do I how do I put this? The the last monthly final two of PH5 2022 season. Exciting stuff. Uh, I'm gonna continue this in the new year. I think I I, I like doing it, and I think uh, you know only really a handful of people listen to this, but uh, I, I've actually heard some um, kind of inspiring stories of people listening to the podcast this year. Um, that really wants me to keep it going. If, if I can, you know, have it be useful for one person, then that's reason enough for me to keep doing it because I love music, I love talking about music, and clearly I love the sound of my own voice. So, um, it's a win-win-win. Coming in at number two, we have Smidley with Here Comes the Devil. This is one of those records that, uh, you know, sounds like a metal record, you know, on on the note of a lack of metal representation this year. But it's not, actually. It's not at all. So Smidley is the kind of solo project of Connor Murphy from Foxing. And for anyone unfamiliar with Foxing, they are... I guess at this point, you would want to call them, like, like a indie emo band indie emo pop something like that they started out as i don't want to say a straightforward but a a a kind of um standard-ish emo band and with every record they've gotten more and more interesting um incorporating a lot more influences into their sounds um that all kind of came to a peak with uh nearer my god which came out in 2018 i believe which I, I really think is one of the best records of the 2010s. It's it's really, really fantastic. Really ambitious, you know, reaches for the sky and actually kind of pulls it off, which is, you know, very impressive, really hard to do. Uh, they came back with a follow-up last year, uh, Draw Down the Moon, which was basically a stab at, like, mainstream indie. Like... I don't know if wherever you are, wherever you're listening, has like an indie rock radio station. This whole album sounds like it could have been on one of those. Uh, it got a lot of mixed reactions from fans who, you know, wanted them to stick to their kind of ambitious, experimental, emo side. Um, I liked it. I thought it was. I thought it was pretty good. I mean, it. it, it kind of sounded like a like passion pit at times which is funny but um no i mean 
the songs were great, and at the end of the day, I mean, that's really all that matters. But they're a band that's constantly changing and evolving, so it's going to be interesting to see where they go next. But anyway, the point being, this new record uh, by Smidley, who again is uh, Connor Murphy from Foxing, um, I don't want to say necessarily kind of continues on the path that the last Foxing record went on, but it's certainly a pretty catchy collection of songs and the whole record is a concept record about uh you know satan the devil i guess and you know the devil of course is a metaphor um for just troubled troubled times and 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 you know hardship or whatever it may be you know there's a lot of uh dealing with some heavy shit on this record you know the passing of loved ones uh, the dissolution of relationships, and you know, the devil really becomes this uh, this idea, this like a- approaching doom in a way. So, because this record is a concept record, it does kind of follow kind of a narrative structure. Um, the first half of the album is you know f- fairly poppy, I'd say. You know, like kind of straightforward indie rock. Uh, and then the second half of the record is when things get kind of weird. Uh, if the first half of the record is, you know, the the approach of the devil, he's, he's, he's definitely arrived in the second half. And that's where it really kind of becomes special to me. He's a fantastic singer, and he shows a range, vocal range, on this record that you haven't really heard from him in quite some time. Um, when it comes to foxing, he likes to go into his falsetto or his really strong tenor. But on this one, he has a lot of songs with a more hushed delivery. Um, kind of a lower register being used. And it really makes for an interesting dynamic across the record. Uh, at times you wouldn't even know that this is Connor Murphy. But it, it's him, and the songs manage to pack the same emotional punch as any of the best Foxing songs do. And, I mean, I've been a fan of Foxing for a long time, and listening to this record really kind of reinvigorated my love for that band, because it's it's just some really sensational stuff. And again, as I mentioned, this, this could have been my number one album this month, uh, if not for the number one album this month, of course. But it's really that good. And would highly recommend to anyone who likes rock, I guess, of any kind. It, it barely even is that at times, of course, as, you know, indie is these days. But for anyone who wants to be taken on a journey through the depths of kind of despair, but not be super bummed out by it, at the same time, this is the record for you. So, coming in at number two for November 2022 is Smidley, Here Comes the Devil. Alright, let's finish her off. So, coming in at number one for November 2022, we have... Elder Innate Passage. 
If I had to summarize his record with one phrase, I would just say it fucking kicks ass. Um, it's as much a shock to me as it is to you, although I don't know why it would be a shock to you, that a essentially a prog rock record is my favorite record of this month and very quickly developing into one of my favorite records of the year. But that's just how awesome this album is. So. Elder has been around for a while. Uh, they started out as more of a kind of stoner rock band that incorporated a lot of proggier elements into their sounds. Um, long songs, whatever it may be. But as they've released more and more records, they've kind of left that stoner tag behind. And at this point, they've essentially completely shed it. And are this is basically a straight-up prog rock album. Uh... But when you think of prog, you kind of get all these negative connotations, right? Like highbrow, you know, stuffy, um, <laughs> unlistenable. But this is prog that harkens back to, say, like the 60s and 70s when prog rock was almost like a mainstream genre. And people were making pop songs with prog rock's kind of musical templates. You know, you turn on the radio and you'd hear bands like Camel or Madness or any of these other, you know, 70s prog rock bands who knew how to write hooks as well as write long-winded instrumental passages. And that's exactly what this record is. Um, it kind of takes that foundation of prog and it, it don't get me wrong it's incredibly proggy like the average song length here is like 11 minutes only five songs but they're all about 10 minutes long or if not longer but there are so many hooks and so many awesome cool things happening in all these songs that at no point are you saying to yourself like oh like when is this going to be over or or like you never feel bogged down by the music in a way that a lot of other um, prog music kind of make you feel. It's uh, one of those records which reminds me a lot of uh, one of my old favorite records from earlier this year. Um, not or sorry, not this year, but in the past few years, uh, Paul Bearer, Foundations of Burden. And that record came out in, I think, 2014. It was my favorite record that year. Similar to this one, long songs, uh, definitely a lot of kind of prog elements, but the thing about that record that really stood out to me was that it sounded like every riff was better than the last. Like, every single riff on that record is fantastic and memorable and just makes you want to get up and air guitar. And it is the exact same thing with this album. It is just... From start to finish, catchy and fun, and you just get so into it. And it's funny to me that this album of five ten-minute-long songs feels more compulsively listenable than the vast majority of pop music that I've heard this year. Music that is written and engineered specifically to be catchy and specifically to make you want to listen to it over and over again. None of it's done it that for me the way that this album has. 
Like, the past week and a half or so, all I've basically done is put this record on, and as soon as it's over, I just put it on all over again, on repeat, over and over and over again, and I'm still not even close to being sick of it because of how much fun I'm having when I'm listening to it. Uh, it's probably about 75% instrumental, which is, is not my thing at all. I'm not an instrumental rock guy in any way. But again, the riffs and whether it's guitar riffs, keyboard riffs, whatever it is, are just so good that, you know, it's as catchy as a vocal-led song. And when the vocals do come in, um, they're used pretty spare, sparingly, but, you know, they hit some fantastic harmonies, and it's always in service of making the song sound better, and not just them being like, oh, I guess we should probably have a vocal section here because people like to hear vocals. Like, it, it all makes sense in the context of what you're hearing. And the result is just one of the most fun musical experiences that I've had this year. Uh, I'm still listening to this record on repeat, you know, about a week and a half later after it's been released, and I plan on continuing to do so for the foreseeable future. It's just great. It's just great music. Um, my mom is a big fan of the band War on Drugs. You guys all like the War on Drugs, right? Everyone likes that band. I don't really, but you know. And the reason why she loves them so much, and I'll never forget her description of this, is she always tells me she just really loves the music. And it's a funny thing to say, because it's all, like, what do you mean? It's all music. Like, this is all music. What are, what are you talking about? But I know what she means. She means the, the, the instrumentals. She means kind of just the overall vibe of what she's hearing. And the way that my mom loves the music, quote-unquote, of The War on Drugs, that's exactly how I feel about the music, if you will, of Elder. I just love it. I love hearing it. It sounds amazing. Uh, everything is produced so well, and there are no dull moments in what is a basically 55-minute long, mostly instrumental record. That's so hard to do. Um, so hard to do. But they've done it, and it is a huge success, and I am so excited to listen to this record another hundred times and air guitar to these songs for the rest of my life. So, coming in at number one for November 2022, we have Elder Innate Passage. And that's it. Or is it? Remember, if you really, really want to, you can listen to this whole thing all over again, but the drunk version, because I'm just going to put it up there uh, at the end of this. So if you want to be a sicko, go for it. All right. But again, I have warned you, I try listening to it and it sucks. And I sound like shit. Sound like I don't know what the hell is going on which at the time was kind of true, so it makes sense. Um, but it's there if you want it. That concludes the kind of regular season of PH5, if you will. And now we go into the playoffs, you know? Uh, the time that everyone has been waiting for. 
How do all these albums rank together? What was Phil's favorite record of the year? Excited to find out? So am I, because I'm still not entirely sure. But, uh, you know, got some time to figure that out. So, I'm thinking in about two weeks or now, um, from now, I will start off the end of year celebrations by going through my top 25 to 11 albums. And then we'll finish off the year by counting down the top 10, as I mentioned. It's going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. And as always, thank you for listening. Really appreciate anyone and everyone that takes the time to actually listen to this podcast. Uh, I don't understand why you listen to it. It's literally just me giving my opinions on some albums. Like, who cares? But... You're listening, and it's greatly appreciated. This is Phil May, signing off, PH5. Thank you so much. Page five. Motherfuckers! What's good? Okay, welcome to what is a very um special edition of PH5. Why? 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 What why? Um Well, it's the last one of the season. Um the year. Whatever you want to call it, I don't know what the PH, uh, sorry, the podcast nomenclature is, but, uh, we're on some kind of special, uh, this is like the last official, straightforward instance of the PH5 podcast. That's not that special. Um, another reason why it's special, um, is because I'm drunk. I'm quite drunk. I went out with some, uh, co-workers after work, and, uh... You know, uh, I, I realize I gotta get this shit done. <laughs> Not that it's a chore, but, um, listen, I, I know that the PH5 heads out there need to know what to have listened to from the previous month, so, you know what, I'm going to make sure that despite my inebriations, I deliver. How we doing? Are we doing good? I'm doing good here. A little, little chug sound effect for you. Mmm. Some okay beer. It's actually not a good one. Um, so we're going to talk about uh, November. Now, before we even go into uh, the album's release in November, we have to acknowledge the fact that... Uh, and maybe this is why. Maybe this is... Maybe I got a little bit intoxicated so that I'd be able to talk about this properly. Could be. Um, Mimi Parker from Low passed away uh, at the beginning of the month, very early in the month, and I've been struggling on how exactly I want to talk about this in the episode because last episode I did a whole upfront thing about takeoff from Migos who had passed away that month. And um, that was hard to do, hard to talk about. 
And this one is even harder, if I'm being honest. And I'm not trying to make myself out like a lifelong low fan, because I'm not. I mean, I only recently came aboard as of uh, Sixes and Ones, or whatever the album before the one before the most recent came out. Uh, I'm not trying to pretend like I'm Mr. Low, although I have a tendency to feel low. Um, and if you actually go back, there's that Coldplay song called Low, which during my great uh, mental um, uncasing of the year 2008, I was obsessed with because uh, that song really spoke to me at the time. But in terms of the band Low, I haven't been Mr. Number One my whole life. You know, it's only been the more recent albums that have really connected with me and have connected with a lot of people. Um, nonetheless, it's, it's, it's like I, I, I have my good friend Matt Bancuti, who's been on the show a few times now, Low is his favorite band, and I can see why. You know, I can see why. And uh, I was supposed to see Low very recently, um, just a few months ago, early in the year, winter slash spring, but I had COVID and I couldn't go. <laughs> and um, that was my last chance to have seen them. And I now recognize that, you know? Um, Mimi Parker was one half of Low, you know? A full 50% of a band who has, you know, been around for multiple decades and produced some of the greatest music that there is. And in, in many ways, I don't want to say invented slow chord, but brought it to underground prominence. You wouldn't be talking about the genre of slowcore without low. And it's one of the very rare bands whose later records were some of their best. Like, do you know how hard that is to do when you're like 10 records deep? You've been around for like more than two decades. But they were special that way. And uh, you can just... You follow the other half of the band, who is literally the husband of Mimi Parker, um, Alan Parker. And you see the extreme pain that this man is going through. With the loss of his wife, the loss of his music partner, the loss of his other half. Someone who has been a huge part of him for decades now, and it's it, it's hard. Um, it's hard to talk about too, you know. Again, I I've only been a fan recently. I'm not one of these longtime low fans, but I've gone back, I've listened, and I understand the influence that they've had, and how important they are to a lot of people. And it's honest to God, it's hard to talk about. So, 
I just want to take a quick second to say rest in peace to Mimi and thank you for <laughs> being that more or less calming edge to Alan over the years because without the dynamic that the two of you shared you wouldn't have ever been able to produce the incredible music that you did as low for so long and for so many albums I don't know this was a hard one I mean takeoff was a hard one but I think this is harder and I'm I'm struggling a lot more to come up with what it is exactly that I want to say or, or can say because I feel like I feel like I'm hurt by the loss, but I also feel like it's almost been a month since it happened, so it, it's dampened in a way, and I also feel like there are people out there who are more hurt by one half of probably one of their favorite bands is gone now. And they were touring this year, you know? I had tickets to see them. But, um, I guess I won't. And I guess no one else will get to see Low. That's hard. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hard to arti articulate also, um, in this current state of mind. But, uh, you know, this is gonna be the theme for this episode, so... We're just gonna see what happens. Anyway, all this being said, moving on, um, November was weirdly strong, you know? Maybe not weirdly. If I look back, I think that a lot of really strong albums have come out in November over the years. Um, My Beautiful Dark Fantasy, 808s and Heartbreak, I know I'm saying all Kanye West albums, and we pretend that he doesn't exist anymore, as we should. But it's an interesting month for releases, you know? It's either you release this as like a Hail Mary in an attempt to have some relevance in the year, but you, you know it has to be strong, otherwise this is going to be forgotten. Or why don't you just wait until the next year? So I feel like anyone who's releasing in November feels like what they have is strong and they want to make an imprint on that year with the release so i keep that in mind when i'm listening to anything that comes out this year sorry this month <laughs> you're gonna have to deal with a lot of uh these correction type things uh because again i'm not entirely sober but this is a new kind of wrinkle we're going to introduce into the podcast this month and I think it's gonna be fun I hope you guys think so too anyway thank everyone for joining as always this is Phil May Philip May for those who don't know that Phil is uh, short for Philip thank you for joining thank you for listening um, I love you wow that's how you know I'm drunk proclaiming my love to a bunch of fucking strangers PH5, let's get into it.
Okay. So, coming in at number five in the PH5 top five of November is the record Endure by Special Interest. Now, Special Interest is a very <laughs> interesting, if you will, band. Um, they first came to my attention back in 2020. Peak pandemic. I actually really specifically remember um, listening to that record. I don't know what it's called, so don't ask me about that. <coughs> Sorry. Walking around my neighborhood, as I did every other day, no, every day, not every other day, every single day, walking around, um, just trying to be out of my house, you know? And this album came out by this group special interest, I knew nothing about them. And I remember listening to it and being very invigorated, you know? Feeling very energized and ready to just like party. And maybe that's the point, you know? I feel like the whole idea of releasing party-heavy records uh, in the pandemic was, was purposeful, you know, in a way to remind people that you can be communal and you can be energetic and you can expend your energy around other people, you know, and just be around others. A reminder of the way that things once were. But there was a special kind of tinge to the special interest record because the whole idea was that everyone in this band was, you know, a part of the LGBT community. You know, some of them were, most of them are queer, a few trans people in the band. So there's a lot of, um, like, revolutionary aspects to the music. And it was almost like a noise dance record is how I would have described that 2020 special interest album that came out. I forget what it was called. I'm sorry. But now here we are, a few years later, and this band or this group, whatever you want to call it, has achieved a certain level of fame, notoriety, whatever you want to call it. And as most groups do when they get to the next record and they get to this next level of fame or this next level of recognition, they've kind of, you know, you know, smoothed out the rough edges and, and focused on what really can appeal to people. And so Endure, this second record by Special Interest, is a lot less noisy, for sure. It doesn't tone back on the uh, commentary. It doesn't tone back on the whole idea of being revolutionary for, you know, marginalized people. Because the whole idea is this is a, you know, a call in, not a call in response, but a call to action for people who have felt marginalized to dance and party and just like have fun, you know? And this is a very important thing for people to have. But the noise aspects have been kind of toned down a bit. And instead you're left with what is almost a very straightforward, um, you know, post-punk slash, and I'm gonna create a new genre right now, which would be great for my um, ridiculous made-up genre of the day 
thing that I'm very inconsistent with. But this is like a noise disco album. Um, they're having fun. Uh, the beats are there. The lyrics are very, you know, political, but also not political. Also just like in service of having a good time. And the music is like forward-thinking, propulsive, it makes you want to dance, but at the same time there's this biting edge to all of it. And sometimes it does dissolve into almost like Blood Brothers-esque chaos, but refined chaos. Uh, it's a really interesting album that uh, manages to combine all the best aspects of, you know, dance punk and noise but also bringing in a lot of these really important political commentary pieces. So, coming in at number five, we have Special Interest with Endure. Okay, hello. Coming in at number four, we have Flesh Water with we're not to, we're not here to be loved. Sorry, it's like a long title and um, I'm trying to figure it out the same pace that you guys are. Anyway, Fleshwater, we're not here to be loved. So what's the deal with Fleshwater? What kind of name is Fleshwater? It's a cool name. Um, so this is a band that comprises a lot of the members have Vane or Vane.fm, whoever they want to be known as in this day and age. Um, if you would take a few episodes back, you'd recall that Vane um, has already been a part of this year's PH5 evaluations uh, with their most recent sophomore album whose title I don't remember right now because I'm drunk. Um, but Vane is one of my favorite hardcore bands because of the way that they're so future thinking. So as soon as I heard that uh, a Vane offshoot had created an album of what is essentially 90s inspired alt rock, you know it's all that shit. And it is a great album of very 90s-esque heavy Rock is how I would describe it. Uh, the vocalist, uh, you have the guy from Vane doing some kind of background vocals, but for the most part you have this um, woman who is doing a fantastic job kind of really relaying the emotion and bringing on that really kind of emo aspect. And if you think about 90s rock, um, that's when emo really was cultivated, and that's when it really kind of became a thing. And it reminds me a lot of that late 90s emo when maybe you weren't even calling it emo at the time. But it was really emotional, really leaned on melodies um, that were kind of juxtaposed against heavy instrumentals. and. Music that really made you feel something. And that's what you have here. Uh, the biggest issue I'd say is that the songwriting is just okay. Um, I've listened to this album many times and I still only remember a few parts of it. 
But the important aspect is that overall, like, the vibe of this album is really, really good. And it's one of those things where, yeah, this is their, you know, debut album. But if they really kind of refine everything that they're doing here, I guarantee you their sophomore or their whatever record down the line that they choose to make one is going to be tight as fuck. It's going to be amazing. One of those records you're just going to want to hear. So, coming in at number four, we have Fleshwater with... We are not here to be loved, or I don't know, it's something like that. Uh, you just search Fleshwater and you'll be able to find it, no problem. Okay, coming in at number three, and I want to make something clear. Like, I liked a lot of the records that came out this month. Really, I thought it was a pretty solid month for album releases. But the top three records that I'm going to talk to you guys about all really jostled for that number one spot because these three albums were some of the best that I heard all year. And it was a struggle for me to kind of ascertain where I wanted to place one in terms of the other, like what the hierarchy of these three were. Because at any given time, any three of these records were my number one of the month, of course. So, just want to make it clear. Like, three, two, and one should almost be number one tied across the board because I really think that these were extremely strong records. Anyway, despite all that, let's get into number three for November 2022 is Dream Unending, Song of Salvation. And an interesting thing about this particular record, um, I think about my podcast, right? <laughs> I don't think about it that much. I mean, it's only monthly. But, you know, this is kind of... This is me putting myself out there into the world. And I recall the very early days of this podcast, I remember talking about what this podcast would be and what it's about. And in a weird way, I'm reflecting on this year and as much as I have made explicit to the listeners that I do prefer heavier, darker music, I think this is maybe the highest that a almost straight-up metal release has gotten this year. And that's suiting because this is not a straight-up metal release at all. Um, this record by Dream Unending is one of the most beautiful metal records that I've ever heard in my life. Um, so it's it's one of the guys from Tomb Mold, Tomb, not like Tomb, like Tomb, but like a Tomb, like where you die. Uh, tomb Mold, one of the one of the principal songwriters from Tomb Mold, teaming up with uh, some other guy. Listen, I 
I probably should have looked into this before, but it's a collaboration. It's not their first, but what they managed to achieve on this record is really quite astounding. And it's really called into question for me what heavy music really is. Because certainly, certainly this is a metal record. I mean, half, if not 75% of the vocals are, you know, classic death metal growls. There are a lot of, you know, down-tuned chugging and riffs and whatnot. But you also listen to it, and it's like, this isn't heavy. This isn't what I think metal is. Nothing about this is what I think metal is. This is majestic and, and beautiful and, and flowing. And it really calls into question, like, where do we draw the line, really, between metal and, say, post-rock, or metal and, you know, rock as, as is. Like, it's... The album really brings to mind a lot of questions, and I don't really have the answer for any of them. But all I know is that there are a lot of really special things happening on this album that people who enjoy any type of music can enjoy. Like, yeah, you just kind of need to look past the growled vocals, and this is not in any way a metal record. It's beautiful. It's, it's, it's like... It almost reminds me of, like, like if Sugar Ross decided to add more, you know, power chords or more chugging. It's really quite beautiful stuff. And so you get to this question of like, okay, they're the growled vocals, but the rest of it is beautiful. So is this something that could appeal to non-metal listeners? Like, what is metal? What is heavy music? And it's the kind of album that really spawns these questions. So, I don't really know. I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that, in terms of what could be classified as heavy music, this is about as beautiful as it comes. Not this year, but any year. So, coming in at number three, we have Dream Unending with Song of Salvation. Alright, well, all that being said, I guess it's about time for the mentions, wouldn't you folks say? So let's cut it to the mentions! Okay, so... Here's the thing, mention-wise. Um... I'm combining a few. I'm gonna combine the Dishonorable and the mention into one. Because I want to. And it's easier for me. <laughs> Don't you want things to be easier for me, your gracious host? I'd hope so. Hold on. 
quick second while I have a swig of some beer. Alright, so the dishonorable slash mention for the month of November 2022 is the Drake 21 Savage album Her Loss. Um, and here I am again. I mean, I feel like this is the second time this year that I've had Drake as a mention. And the reason why I pick on Drake, if you will, or at least feel compelled to talk about him, is because I, I used to really like Drake, you know? I, I... I really feel like what he used to be doing was artistically viable in a lot of ways, as crazy as that sounds. Um, because there is a certain amount of artistic viability in making fucking dope tracks, wouldn't you say? I mean, think about, uh, think about Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> There's a certain artistic viability in making dope-ass tracks. So, I'm not saying that Drake is a modern-day Fleetwood Mac. That'd be a stupid thing to say. But my point is that... Drake has been a fairly important artist in my lifetime. And... He's one of the most commercially successful rappers ever while also not necessarily compromising his artistic integrity um all of his songs in ways have fit into what he's trying to do as an artist even if they manage to pop off um and that's why drake is so special so, here we are, with Drake's second album of the year, a quote-unquote collaboration album with 21 Savage. It's not really a collaboration album. 21 Savage just happens to uh, appear on a lot of the songs. But it's, it's a Drake album, and that's okay. Um, I mean, God bless 21 Savage, but... Like, I hate to say it, are we really that intrigued by him? Are we really that intrigued by what he brings to the table? I mean, at least with Drake, it's like, if he wants to, he can tap into some really interesting shit, as we've heard with a lot of his older material. Uh, the unfortunate part with this album is that he doesn't do that. And while I will admit to of enjoying this album the first few times I listened to it the more I listened to it the more it just kind of dawned on me Drake is what 36 37 years old and yet here he is still rapping and using the same kind of tone and you know overall appreciation for other people especially women that he had employed 
well into his early 20s. And after a while, you're listening to it and it's kind of grating to hear this 36, 37 year old, soon to be 40 year old, talking about women the same way as he was talking about them in his early to mid 20s. So on one hand, I understand that Drake is trying to, you know, appeal to an audience that he has. I mean, he certainly isn't appealing the same audience as he had um, in that I mean, you know, how many people that were listening to him when he was young are still listening to him now? Like, he appeals to a younger generation, certainly younger than he is. But it gets to a point where it's kind of grating, wouldn't you say? Like, to hear a 37-year-old talk about treating women, like, expendably, it's kind of like, dude, why don't you just, like, settle down and have a kid? Like, when it comes to hip-hop and rap, there are more than enough artists on their misogynistic wave, you know? There's more than enough disrespect going around in that genre. Why don't you just kind of grow up? And it ties back to the album that he released earlier this year. Um, Honestly, Nevermind, which is more of a detour into dance. And initially, I was like, oh, this is the weaker. Like, this record isn't great, but it kind of grew on me. And then Her Loss came out, which was more of a kind of step back into pure rap. And I was like, oh yeah, you know, a return to form for Drake. But the more that I kind of digested the record, the more I realized that Honestly Nevermind was actually the better of the two records. Because it saw Drake maturing. It saw him opening him up himself up to new sounds and new ideas and new prospects. Whereas this just really sounds like a retread. And it sounds like him reverting to younger, more immature ideas and ways. And that's that, that's kind of interesting because this record online, as far as I can see, has gotten a lot more hype and a lot more praise because obviously it appeals to this younger crowd and generation. But at what point does Drake need to accept that that isn't who he is anymore? And at some point, he's going to make a record. I mean, he's honestly done it already. But he's going to make albums that just don't sound right for him. That sound like a, you know, older man pretending to be a younger one. And that's kind of what's happening on this latest one. I mean, the beats are great. The flows are great. The rapping is great. On paper, it's all pretty good. But after a while, you're listening to this and you're like, dude, you're like, you're just a few years away from 40 years old. And you're still talking this shit? And you you kind of realize the context of, uh, 
for example, Future, who is, I think, in his 40s and still doing the same thing, but it's different because this is what Future does. This has always been Future's lane. Whereas Drake, everyone knows, is a chameleon, you know, and a culture vulture. So, and I don't even mean that in a bad way. I mean it in a good way. I mean it like, Drake, you have the capability to co-op some older, more mature genre, and the world will accept it. So why are you still wallowing in the mid-twenties chauvinistic era that you are? Move on, man. Grow up. Your audience has also grown up. We'll be right there with you. Just stop with this bullshit, you know? Anyway, coming into the dishonorable and mention for November 2023 is Drake and 21 Savages, Her Loss. Alright. Hello, again. Uh, so, coming in at the honorable mention for November 2023 is Golden Drag Promenade EP. <laughs> See, this is funny, okay? Because I actually really like this album. But uh, the the principal songwriter, the guy behind Golden Drag, um, is a guy that I've known for a long time. Um, he's been a member of another band that I've also really liked. Uh, but it's beyond that, you know? So, it's like, I'm really afraid that he's going to hear this and be like, Oh, you know, here's Phil just being a, a stan once again, you know, here's him being a fanboy again for what I do. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> so what? Yeah, yeah, I like, I like your work. I like the music you make. Is that such a big deal? You know, like... I mean, I'm a guy who has made music for over a decade, and I would, I would kill to have one person, anyone, even even if it's someone I know, even if it's someone that, for reasons that have nothing to do with the music, to be, you know as into it and ex expressively into it as I am into my friend's music, but, but, uh, that's not going to happen. The point being, um, Golden Drag is, uh, the project of Shazad Jawani, fellow Toronto native. Uh, he's a part of the band Grays for a while, long time. 
Uh, their last record, H Hasn't Spoiled You, is one of the greatest records that has come out of Toronto, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, this Golden Drag record is kind of Shazab's uh, solo project, I guess, if you want to call it that. Second EP that they've released, he's released, again, whatever you want to call it. And again, like, I'm not trying to be Mr. Fanboy, but I really like this music. And I really like what he's done. Because... <laughs> I, I, I know what his influences are, you know? I, I know what he... He's been into. I've read his... The story is I, I met him... Didn't meet him, really, but... Became acquainted with him through a music blog back in the day and and this guy was really important for my development because I read some reviews of some albums that I liked that he wrote which made me you know seek out other reviews that he had written and that's where a you know nice sizable chunk of my music taste came from because if you have someone that likes the music that you do, you want to see what else they like because chances are that you're going to like it. And it all kind of blossomed from there. Again, keep in mind, I'm like fucking 10, 11 years old when all this is happening. And I, I, I've been in touch with him since. Um, I was there for the beginning of Grey's, to the end of Grey's. I bought a shirt. Uh, huge fan of the music. Again, not just because I knew Shazad, but because it was good music, because it spoke to me. And uh, this is just a further extension of that. So it's, it's weird for me to talk about, because I'm really concerned and afraid that I'm just going to come across as, like, a fanboy, and, like, just some guy that, you know, just wants attention, maybe, from this, uh, from this one artist, but I really do genuinely think that this new Golden Drag EP is special, and, you know, I've chatted with him about the process of making it, and, and, you know, I've chatted with him about the whole process of making music in general. And the ideas encapsulated in this one five-song or six-song, sorry, EP is, is quite astounding. So, I guess ultimately my hope is that talking about it here is enough to at least inspire him in some way to keep it going. Make another EP. You know, make another LP. Um, invite me to be part of the process. Just kidding. Not kidding. But seriously, the Golden Drag Promenade EP is fantastic. It's a great take on um, a really modern idea of what psychedelia can be. The songwriting is great, but even beyond that, the album is full of instances that 
just make you kind of do a double take. Um, it's interesting. It's very interesting music. So, coming in at my honorable mention for November 2022 is Golden Drag Promenade. And sorry if I'm being a basic stan, Shazad, but I like your albums. Deal with it. Okay, and welcome back to the regular portion of the podcast episode. Slowly but surely, I can feel myself uh, kind of drifting away from coherence. So we're going to have to act quickly here. We're going to have to really make a move so that I can finish this strong. So, let me have one more quick swig. And let's finish off with the last two albums of November 2022. So, coming in at number two is the album Here Comes the Devil by Smidley. Now, Smidley is the solo project of Connor Murphy from Foxing. Now, coming up to the point of recording this album, I spent a lot of thinking time about how exactly I wanted to talk about this album. And a large part of me wanted to say Connor Smidley is one of the members of one of my favorite bands, Foxing. But that would have been a lie. And I don't want to lie to you guys. Because while Foxing has been a band that I've been aware of for years, a band that I've paid attention to and have respected, I can't say that they've ever been my favorite band. It's it's been a band that I've known of and have listened to, but have never quite clicked with me. So this album came out, and maybe there wasn't too much else going on musically. So I I, I downloaded it. I listened to it. You know. I've always known of Foxing, I've always appreciated Foxing, but it's never quite completely clicked for me. So I was like, you know what, let's listen to this Smidley album. Let's give it a shot. And I listened, and I was kind of put off by it. But something about it made me want to come back for more. And I did. And I listened to it again, and again, and again, and again. And slowly but surely, this album has become one of my favorite of the year. But not only that, listening to this has made me kind of reevaluate Foxing as a band. So I went back and I was like, okay, I kind of get the Smidley thing, the Connor Murphy thing, 
let's see if I can apply this newfound appreciation to the core band, you know? And it worked. I have been obsessed with Foxing ever since this album came out. And I feel really silly to have just discounted them in the past. Um, anyway, Foxing is one of the best bands out right now. If you haven't, you need to listen to them because they're incredible. But this album right here is really special. And it does things that no other Foxing album has done. As many solo efforts from main bands kind of do, you know, you see that kind of principal songwriter left to his own devices, doing some kind of interesting things that, you know, maybe he wouldn't be able to get away with in the primary band. And you see a lot of that here. There's a certain sense of playfulness and darkness I'd say that Foxing, their whole aesthetic would never really truly be able to incorporate. So the Smidley album is kind of like a concept album in sorts. It's a huge metaphor about like the devil, quote unquote, coming into your life. Now, what does that mean? It can mean a lot of things. You know, like, the devil obviously is a metaphor for darkness and negativity and bad times encroaching into your life. And the context of this record, among that is uh, Connor Murphy lost a good friend. And you see that kind of brought up in, in songs like In Poor Taste or whatever it may be. But kind of choosing to frame the devastation of life into this almost cartoonish idea of, oh, the devil's coming, you know, what do we do, is a really interesting songwriting approach. And you see Connor taking a lot of very standard indie rock tropes and bending it to his will in order to achieve the whole vibe and aesthetic from this album. And while this sounds like something that's very esoteric and something that only very specific people would like, again, I'd like to reiterate that listening to this album and getting into it was actually the key to unlocking the entire Foxing discography for me. In a lot of ways, this is kind of the intro record for weirdos to getting into Foxing, who I, again, would like to really reiterate, is one of, if not the best, emo indie band currently going. So, this album takes you on a journey from start to finish, and... The first half is um, almost very, like, indie rock pop oriented. It eases you into it, musically. But if you listen to the lyrics, you kind of get a sense that things aren't all that right. And then on the second half of the album is when things get really weird and dark. And it all kind of comes to a head. And... It's 
funny yet devastating, which is hard to do. I mean, you look at the album cover, and it's a picture of a ladder with, you can just kind of see, you know, the paws, if you will, of the devil getting to the top of the ladder and coming out of frame. It's cartoonish, but also ominous, which is how I would describe the music on this album, you know? Um, Connor is a really established, really incredible vocalist, and he can take his voices to a lot of different ways. Um, not to mention that, but he's a great multi-instrumentalist, so if he needs to bring in some trumpet, or, you know, call in some favors for some saxophone to come in to really make the music as whole as he can, he'll do so. But beneath all of those funny, interesting musical cues, are really, really, really dark lyrics that may even go darker than anything that he's done in Foxing. And overall, it's just a really unique, fascinating journey through the depths of what I interpret as despair. Um, I mean, what is the devil if not a descent into darkness? And that's what we hear in this album. So coming in at number two for November 2012, <laughs> 2022, is Smidley, Here Comes the Devil. Coming in at number one is, and I'll just say it, the band Elder with the album Innate Passage. I really did not see this coming. There's nothing more, or sorry, nothing I could have seen less coming. <laughs> sorry, let me have a swig after that sentence. My point being, the fact that my number one album of the second last month of the year is a prog rock album is very baffling to me as much as it may be baffling to you listeners who actually like care or pay attention or whatever because I haven't really ever included a prog rock album on any of these lists at any given point of time. And, I mean, for good reason. It's a lame genre. The, whoa, sorry. The drunk hiccups are now com coming. Here they are. But it's, it's, it's really not my thing. And it's really not a lot of people's things for a lot of reasons. It's a very neat, <laughs> niche genre of music. And I guess this is how we're gonna do the uh, entire last song, is through hiccups. So we're just gonna do with it, okay? Part of the charm of the episode this month. But Elder is different because while Elder certainly makes at this point in their career, what we would call prog rock, where they started and where they've ended is, is pretty different. 
So Elder started ostensibly as a stoner rock band, which certainly encapsulates a lot of the elements of prog rock in that they like to, you know, kind of trip you out or do long passages, whatever it may be. There's actually more similarities between those two genres than you think. But where they've kind of gone on their career trajectory to the point where they are now is those quote-unquote stoner rock elements have almost entirely disappeared. Because when you think of stoner rock, you think of down-tuned guitars and fuzz and amps and all that. Not a lot of that really exists anymore within Elder's music. What they're doing now is they're doing, they're doing riffs, they're doing songwriting, and they're doing instrumentals that are concise and really feed into the theme of the song. So I'm not really doing a good job of talking up Elder to someone that doesn't like you know, prog rock or stoner rock or anything like that. But why I am so in love with this new record by by Elder is I've listened to so much and these hiccups are fucking annoying and couldn't have come at a worse time. But I don't have any other time to record this podcast, so we're just going to fight through it. So thank you for bearing with me. I've listened to a lot of pop. I've listened to a lot of pop rock. I've listened to a lot of hip-hop. I've listened to a lot of genres this year where the main idea of the music that is being made is that it is listenable and enjoyable and you want to go back to it as much as you can. This album is comprised of five songs. The album's length is about 55 minutes long, meaning that the average length of the song on this record is over 10 minutes long. That being said, these songs I found to be more compulsively listened to than almost any other song that I've heard this year. The songwriting is extremely tight. The riffs are perfect. The harmonies on the few and far between vocals are fantastic. Every single aspect of this record just screams listenable. And it really reminds me of a few decades ago when this kind of music was kind of the mainstream, you know? You had bands like Madness or Camel or whoever it may be making prog rock. I mean, let alone Pink Floyd. But this was the popular genre of music at the time. Because people understood that this kind of music is listenable, is enjoyable, does hit those points of endorphin releases like pop music does, like hip-hop does, like anything like that. It's catchy. It's it's has things that you want to come back to. 
And this record does a fantastic job in ways that I haven't heard in a long time are able to do so. It reminds me a lot of um, Paul Bearer, which their album um, Foundations of Burden was my, my favorite album that came out the year that it came out. Just because of the same things that I'm talking about. The riffs were, were so good, so catchy. You just wanted to listen to it over and over again. And you take that and you mix it with um, almost minus the bear, the way the vocals come out. The way they're able to write really interesting vocal passages. When you combine it, you've just got a record that, to me, from start to finish, is, is basically perfect. Like, I have no complaints about this Elder record. <laughs> and it's funny, because you look at the cover, and it's just like a photograph of some, like... I don't know, like, sphere that you can kind of see inside of, and... It seems very like, okay... No one cares about this, but then you listen to it, and the mu music is just like so incredibly on point, and really digs its way in your soul. And it reminds me a lot of um, so my mom's favorite, my mom's favorite band is the War on Drugs, and it's so funny to listen to her talk about the, the War on Drugs because she has this really interesting way of descri describing why she loves it and it's she always says I love the music and it's so funny because it's like it's all music like any any music that you listen to is the music you know but I, I know what she means and she means the instrumental and she means the kind of ambience that the instrumentals create when you're listening to a war on drugs song now, I'm not a big War on Drugs fan because, I don't know, this doesn't vibe with me. But if I were to say that I loved the music, quote-unquote, of anything, this album by Elder would be the one that really made me feel like, yeah, I love this music. Because it's not necessar necessarily instrumental, but... The vocals are only on maybe one-eighth of the whole album, and the, the rest is instrumental, and the rest is the vibes cultivated by this band. And it is just so catchy, and it just, you feel so good listening to it, and you just want to break out the air guitar, or, or the air synth, or whatever it may be. So, I mean, shout out to my mom, like... The simplest way that I can describe how I feel about this album is I just love the music. So coming in at number one for November 2022 is Elder Innate Passage. Passage. Fuck man! These hiccups, I'm sorry. But I did what I could. Thank you as always to everyone for listening. Um, this will likely be our last true PH5 episode. Uh, we go into December next month. I'll probably talk a little bit about my favorite albums of December, but then we're going into year-end stuff. 
Which, uh, you know, is a big deal if you're the kind of person who loves uh, year-end stuff. So, thank you as always for listening. I'm gonna go and uh, hang upside down or try and scare myself or whatever the fuck I need to do to get rid of these hiccups because they're annoying the shit the shit out of me. Have a great night. Or day. Fuck. PH5. Film A. Sounding off.